Purposely Podcasts. We deliberately speak to social entrepreneurs, charity founders, and all-round awesome people to hear their founder story. My guest is New Zealander Sir Graham Dingle, a renowned adventurer and mountaineer. He's also a writer, a founder of a successful youth charity, and that's our main area of focus. In this episode, we explore his passion for the outdoors, extreme challenges, of course, his passion for young people, building, and much, much more. It also includes some really candid admissions and some great stories. We hear about his close friendship with Sir Edmund Hillary. Enjoy. Welcome, Graham. Thank you. Uh, good to be here. should start by explaining the voice issue that um, I have just in case people think I'm um, dying of throat cancer. Um, I have an issue called spasmodic dysphonia, um, which sounds horrible and can be, but um, it means that sometimes I don't have much of a voice. Uh, the experts say um, we can fix this by injecting Botox into the lands. I have to say, after a truckload of Botox, I still have no voice, but I have an incredibly beautiful lands. New Zealand, the best place in the world for young people. And I'm afraid to say that at the moment, we're just about the worst place. And that's shocking, really, because yeah, a lot of New Zealand, it's stunningly beautiful. People have a relatively good standard of living. What, what are the reasons why it's a bad place? I know statistically, there's some horror shows, aren't there, around food poverty? Um, outcomes for young people? What do you think the main issues are and we, you set out to address? I think one of the main issues is that um, we are quite a violent people. Um, there's a condition called ACE, Adverse Childhood Experience. And if um, kids experience violence, when they're young, um, like lots of shouting in the house, um, violent themes, kids can often turn, turn out in their adult years as very difficult characters and um, ironically violent as well. Mm. And do you think that's a mainly a masculinity issue? No, I don't think it's entirely a masculine issue. Um, there's a, a book called um, The Hillbilly Elegy, which essentially describes how Trump got into power. And it was um, like through the Rust Belt, uh, fam families would celebrate violence 
and I and the particular family of the character that wrote the book used to celebrate their grandmother's flowers. So they'd all get together and say, hey, remember when Grand shop at Guy? Yeah, that was, you know. Mm. And that kind of culturally violent would, would be a way of describing, I guess, a bit uh, different to other cultures or other nations? Yes, I think so. Um, I mean, I've spent lots of time in India and, of course, um, you know, India has had its times of violence and they tend not to be um, particularly respectful of women, but um, the culture is much gentler than our one. Mm. And you, so you're a co-founder of the Dingle Foundation, named yes. after yourself, and <laughs> you started started life as project k um didn't it and you and your your other co-founders is your wife um joanne wilkinson lady dingle um could you kind of go back in time and and give us uh, the reason why you started it and and sort of how it came about because i think that's a really good story well in in many ways it's like a perfect storm um two people come together and one and one certainly doesn't add up to two. Um, I had in my past uh, a number of charitable um, organisations which I established, but um, the combination of Joanne and myself made this one um, much much more sustainable and I think much farther reaching. Um, so it was essentially, I was doing a circumnavigation of the Arctic and Joanne joined me for the last section across Alaska and back to Siberia across the Bering Sea. And we saw um, we saw some wonderful communities, but we also saw some quite dysfunctional communities. And we started talking about the issues. And then, of course, we got back to New Zealand thinking, thank God to be in paradise. And, and what our, year was that, Graham? That was uh, 1993 end of 93 um, and it, it was a total surprise that here in New Zealand we hit the highest rates of youth suicide, the highest rates of unplanned teenage pregnancy, the highest rates of youth incarceration and eventually the two of us uh, said um, honestly, we can't live in a country with such awful issues for young people. So let's try and do something about it. 
and then came Project K. And what was their initial project look like? Yes, well, we we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, and that's still our philosophy. We did a lot of research to see what the issues were, and while we found some quite good initiatives already established, we found very little for kids who were skidding towards the abyss, um, but hadn't yet fallen, fallen over the cliff. And so we designed Project K to deal with the issues uh, faced by these people. So it, um, it targeted kids when they were 14 or 15, yeah. uh, when they had begun to uh, show signs of giving up hope in the future, uh, disengaging from school, uh, disengaging from their families, uh, disliking themselves. So that's the typical profile. Yeah, yeah, and a real focus on on mental health. But using, so it was using the outdoors and mentorship. Was that is that kind of how it looked? Yes. Well, we, as I said, we researched the issues very well. Um, and the first question we asked ourselves was, internationally, what has proven to work? And probably no surprise, we found that what Kurt Hahn said 60 years before, um, that if you take a person, young or adult, um, and take them out of their comfort zone for at least 20 days, you can change their behavior. And um, so that was the first thing was um, take people on a wilderness adventure for 20 days at least. And we, we found some very good research out of the Clinton government um, about mentoring. And it said that um, if you work with properly trained properly screened mentors and you partner them with young people for at least six months uh, that can make a huge difference so we had um, pretty much the first part of the program with the Kurt Hahn philosophy and the last bit of the program with the Clinton government stuff what we couldn't find initially was something that fitted the middle bit. So how to uh, develop the big life lessons learned in the wilderness um, into a young person's everyday life. Mm. So, so I hate school, but actually I like art. Uh, so I'll dedicate myself to art and I'll stay in school. And we found through that 
we could develop the young person, not just yeah. our, our, just find a spark of interest. Um, the uh, probably the most important thing that, that we were yet to discover was how to identify the kids. And uh, initially we uh, discovered a tool called the Susan Harper Global Self-Worth um, Survey. And that, that worked, but it was very one-dimensional and we wanted something that was much more holistic. And we eventually developed um, a tool which would measure a whole lot of things about a young person, um, how, how they thought about themselves, how they thought about their family, their school, their community, and so on. And so we were measuring self-efficacy, actually. Mm -hmm. And with that tool, we have been able to identify kids. So we'll go to a school and we'll do that survey on every kid in year 10 um, and offer the program to every kid with lowest self-efficacy scores. Now, the remarkable thing is that, that their self-efficacy changes quite quickly so that they become very successful people. Wonderful. And so you've, you've helped approximately 300,000 kids since 1995, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and just focusing on you, you for a bit, um, and also your wife. So we talked before this recording around you guys making a great team. She's, she's a lawyer um, and you're a mountain man or an adventurer um, you, with, you know, phenomenal track record. And actually you and I are probably complete opposites. I recently tried to uh, trek up um, Mount Taranaki uh, and was an embarrassment to my friends <laughs> trying to cling to the side of the mountain. I had no idea uh, what it was like at the um, hard end of mountaineering. Um, <laughs> I was ill-equipped and, and uh, unprepared. You would have been horrified. Um, <laughs> but if you wouldn't mind, just go back to how you got into that in the first place. Um, and then it would be really good to sort of land on your, one of your first founding trustees was uh, Sir Ed, Edmund Hillary. Yes. But how, how, you, how you went down what your uh, mountaineering career. Well, the curious thing perhaps is that up until the age of 11, I was completely confused about why I was at school. Um, I just didn't understand the place. I didn't like the place. I didn't like the people. I had never met a good teacher. And when I was 11, I was at a school in Taita called Avalon School. And a young teacher there, Enid Bond, one day said to me, Graham, you could be a great artist. And I had never heard anything like this before. I, my lights immediately came on 
And curiously, um, the uh, self-confidence that I developed through that um, helped me to become the captain of the school soccer team. Um, but I was sort of steadily steaming down this track to be an artist when I discovered the mountains. Now, at the time I was skinny and weak, I would faint at every standing event. My PE teacher would make fun of me. And I mean, the crazy thing is that within um, five years of that, I was a world-class mountaineer. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and you can track your inspiration back to that moment, that kind of... Um, so you had, you had some good role models at home, like good, some good parenting going on at your house, but the, but the teacher boosting you mattered? Well, yeah, I think I had quite good uh, parenting, but, you know... Um, there was a good deal of shouting in the house. If um, kids picked on me, my father would tell my brother to sort them out. Um, and I was quite embarrassed to see my little brother um, get stuck into these groups of kids and deal with them. Um, but you know, by the time I was early 20s, I was a totally different character. I had mm. com confidence and strength and, um, yeah, changed totally. Yeah, because on that very limited, brief um, experience I had recently with Mount Taranaki is the real mental strengths actually I had to draw on. Like for me, it was, you know, I'm scared of heights. I was on clinging on to the side of this mountain. We'd gone off piste probably shouldn't have gone where we went to, but I really had, it was a mind over matter. It was, I'd really had to draw on. So you developed that during that period. And and what was your big first um, expedition? Do you, do you remember it well, to this day? The, the interesting thing about me as a kid is that I was scared of everything, including heights. Um, the first experiences were tramping, of course, you know, I'd go off um, tramping for the weekend, carrying big packs, um, and slowly built up strength. Um, my first mountaineering trip was um, for the mountains um, above Arthur's Pass when I was 17. And I remember the first mountain I climbed, Mount Murchison. I was scared witless and I was hopeless, you know, just, you know, lying down against the rock and the ice slopes. Um, but confidence grew and, you know, in a short time I got the game. Mm -hmm. And are you, where are you happiest? Are you in, on the mountains? Um, well, I'm, I'm very Catholic in terms of my um, interests, really. I tried not to stick to just hard mountaineering. I 
mixed it up a bit with, um, you know, sea adventures, although I'm not that confident in the sea. I've done some pretty hairy um, kayaking, canoeing trips, particularly with Joanne. Um, and of course, in the Arctic, we, we took a small inflatable boat about um, 6,000 kilometers together. So um, yeah, we've done a lot of um, very interesting things. I, I'm uh, comfortable in the mountains, but uh, frankly, I wouldn't want to live there. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, mountains are a very harsh environment and, um, you know, I'd prefer to live in an old forest um, by the sea. Yeah. And how did you end up with, say, Edmund Hillary, a, a very close friend and what would become your trustee? How, how did that relationship form? Um, in... 1969, uh, Murray Jones and I became the first climbers in the world to climb all the European North Faces in one season. And Ed Hillary um, followed this and wrote to me and said, do you want to join me in the Himalayas? And so I joined him. And, um, a lifelong friendship developed. Fantastic. And, you know, all of what written and said about him, true in person? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Although people um, tend to think of him as a laid-back sort of character. Um, but actually, I don't think he was that laid-back. He was ambitious. Um and um, quite uh, quite brutal in his ambition sometimes, you know. He mm. um, would, you know, you can't be the first person on top of Everest without um, being ambitious. And um, he and Sherpa Tenzing made a perfect kind of uh, to some on that occasion. Mm, yeah. And are you equally, are you, where would you describe laid back or incredibly driven and, and uh, focused? What's, where's, where do you sit in that scale? All right, very driven. Um, I mean, I probably have six careers um, and each of them I've tried to do my very best. So Graham now shares a really candid story about his own failings, but how he turned it round. You'll enjoy this one. Well, it's really a story about um, my lack of consideration and um, stupidity in a way before I met Joanne, when I was planning the Arctic circumnavigation, I had asked David Longy to be the patron. And 
then another government got into power and a senior minister in that government said that it wanted the government's help in doing the trip, I would have to get rid of Longy. And um, I certainly didn't like the idea, but I thought, well, he'd understand. I'd write him a letter saying um, that it would be best if he stepped aside. And uh, I didn't hear anything back from him, but a very angry letter went to Ed Hillary saying, I hope Dingle's most sensitive organ rots off in the Arctic. Um, and that was almost the end of the friendship with Ed as well, I have to say. Um, but we had a talk and a cup of tea and sorted that one out. And much later, after many apologies to David, we renewed our friendship as well. For years, people have come up to me and said, um, my um, course at Hillary Outdoors um, changed my life. And I've described um, what happened as a result of that. Um, the, these experience, experiences at the Hillary Outdoors were relatively short. They were generally about five days. But um, the kids who have been through Project K, their circumstances were generally um, pretty bleak um, before they did the program. But these kids have gone on to um, be incredibly successful people. Um, I guess uh, I guess I can talk about one who um, said um, when I was 13 I had to testify against my parents in court and it was so traumatic that the next day I tried to commit suicide. When I was 15, um, I realized I had to uh, leave my home and I went um, and got a scholarship to continue schooling. But it was at a really low end and I did Project K. And now I'm at university, I'm doing very, very well, and I'm a very, very happy person. Yeah, fantastic. And that's kind of music to your ears, and that's why you set up the charity in the first place. Yeah. Why? Yeah. 
wonderful. Um, and I always, I'm always envious of teachers, actually, the good teachers um, who, you know, get stopped in the, in the mall or the street and, um, you know, many years down the track and sort of generation to generation, they could they got opportunity to, to touch those young people's lives. And um, in fact, I had a teacher at primary school and it's, 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 I suppose this says it all, but it's one of the only teacher's names I remember who would allow us an hour each week to do what we wanted to do in our lives, what we dreamed of doing. Um, just something as simple as that. Um, but it kind of felt very personal, felt um, like she believed in us and with the op opportunity to dream. You know, that's not much, right? Um, but I guess back in 1970s New Zealand, that was quite rare. You know, there was, there was a lot of quite traditional old school teaching going on. Um, yes. Yeah. And do you, do you guys actively encourage your sort of network of, of young people that have been through your course to stay connected to the organisation? Do you also alum, alumni? Um. Yes, we do, but um, young people are quite difficult to keep track of sometimes, mm. um, particularly the kids in our um, primary school programs and particularly the kids in our offender programs. But um, yes, we do keep in touch with many of them. Yeah, wonderful. And I want to get your views on, or and how the how the global pandemic we're currently in, and the and the um, effects of COVID on the organisation, and then just maybe a bit about how it affected your life or, or your sort of views on it. Starting with the organisation. Uh, curiously, last year was one of our best years ever. Uh, we began to develop a number of innovative initiatives, um, particularly a Project K uh, scholarship program for um, young people referred to us. Um, before this, we have only um, accepted kids from particular schools, but now we can except um, a broader range of young people. Um, we've begun, um, we've had uh, primary school programs in the far north for a long time, but um, the danger is that at the end of primary school, um, kids drop out of education. So we've extended that to the secondary schools up there. And uh, that's a great initiative. Um, we've also developed a careers program um, during that time, particularly in Marlborough. Um, so we were, we were fast moving and innovative during that time. And um, I think that's part of the business of constantly asking yourself, is this sustainable? Um, are we doing the best we can possibly do? Mm. And do you think you're, because you know, stuff goes wrong on the mountain, stuff goes wrong in the Arctic, stuff goes wrong in a lake or a river. <laughs> 
do you think that kind of so you're in a leadership role you know you've got the cha- the charity to sort of help guide and the ceo to guide and and do you think your kind of ability to deal with crises helped you at that point because no one really knew what was going to come next did they and people d- took different um some people shrunk into themselves other people sort of stepped up do you think those kind of mount- mountain <laughs> lessons experiences help when the in cri- other crises like that's sort of more on the street well i think so but um I think the main thing is the stuff. Stuff is in the woodwork of an organisation. And you don't, if if you put the right ingredients and the right people into the whole philosophy, um, problems take care of themselves, generally. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And as, as we move towards wrapping up, um, what's your sort of short, medium, and long-term vision for the organisation? Well, it's the most important thing is what I said at the beginning, and that is to be part of making this country the best in the world, to be young, um, and ne- never letting um, that... Um, idea um, you know completely fall off the radar so whenever we get the chance to uh, collaborate with government or other organizations to achieve that objective we will fantastic and in terms of your own personal um is there, are there um, more adventures to be had um, and are clearly more building to do? But um, have you got anything in mind that you would like to do possibly when uh, the world comes out of lockdown? Yes, I do have some things. Um, one of the things that I've always um, thought I'd like to do is to um, do a journey through the Americas pretty much like um, many uh, French settlers did um, going up the St. Lawrence River across the Great Lakes and down the Mississippi to a party at New Orleans. Fantastic. That sounds great. Well, a real pleasure to connect and, and um, thank you for joining Purposely Podcast. And um, good luck for the future. Thank you. A massive thank you for listening to Purposely Podcast. I'm thoroughly enjoying bringing these stories to you. Visit our website, purposelypodcast.com. Join our tribe. Leave your email address. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit subscribe. Please leave a review. Really appreciate it. 